Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with Val Hughes of The Value Guys. I'm a 30-year Wall Street veteran who has taken on a secret identity and gone underground in order to provide you with my candid thoughts on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line investment survey. You've seen my face on TV, you've seen me quoted in the news, but my bosses would never allow my unvarnished views on the air, so I disguise my voice and they'll never know. This week... I'm looking at the uh, June, um, wait a minute here, let's see here, uh, okay, June 11th, 2010 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, uh, but before I get to that, a couple of caveats, first, this show is for entertainment purposes only, although it may not be whatsoever. Uh, secondly, I may have some meaningful conflicts of interest, including the fact that I may be recommending stocks that I'm actually selling, uh, vice versa. Third, and this is ac accurate, I may be completely uninformed. And fourth, I may be either one of two things, heavily drinking or nearly asleep. So, look, what can I tell you? Um, see all my disclosures and caveats at www.thevalueguys.com. There's pictures there, bios, there's some links to best idea lists and uh, past shows and things like that. So this is our fifth year of doing this show and there's uh, literally uh, hundreds of uh, tickers discussed uh, on that page and you can get links into them so www.thevalueguys.com um, uh, this week I've said it's the June 11th issue and it is but today is actually June 19th and I just finished the June 18th show and I managed to still be somewhat awake so I'm going to give it a shot here in the spirit of um, you know, getting good ideas out to the public. I'm forging ahead, doing the show. I'm barely awake. But there's so many great ideas in the June 11th issue that I have to forge ahead. Now, here's an interesting twist to me, not to you probably, but I was very excited about my three ideas in the June 11th issue. So here they are. I sifted through a bunch of them on my computer. I had about eight of them because it was an issue chock full of good ideas. And so um, I, uh, I have three here, and as I'm looking through them, which explains my pause at the beginning of the show, um, one of them is a renegade from June 18th, but I'm just going to leave it in. So I'm going to talk about Alliance Resource, which is... Uh, you know, a, a limited partnership in the coal business, and also uh, Consolidated Energy, which is uh, the largest coal producer east of the Mississippi River. And then I could have picked another energy company. There were some decent names in there uh, the week of June 11th. But instead, the renegade got in, Allstate Corp., ticker a l l so what have you but it's a good name and i'm going to do it anyway but before i get to that i want to do a uh, a rant which i 
started doing this year. Um, I recently named it, it would help my portfolio if. But um, I'm not, I don't really have a rant right now. The market's been going down. There's a whole host of reasons for it. The technicians would tell you that it was just due. I mean, when the Russell 2000 value was up 65% or whatever it was uh, from March to March, you're due for a correction. Um, of course, there's been some uncertainty laid in with regard to the path of earnings. You will hear on my June 18th rant, which I've now done on a order, that I think there's a lot of confusion about policy and what it means for um, after-tax returns on capital, and that's causing a lot of capital to stay on the sidelines, which, you know, affects people's perception of <coughs> near-term earnings, and that affects what people are willing to pay for stocks. You also got this European financial crisis rolling through and thoughts of a double-dip uh, recession here and such. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I Last week, I think, went uh, with in some length going through the uh, Federal Reserve of St. Louis um, site and some of the publications they have there to track the economy. You know, things are looking okay right now. Um, so I think those are just jitters um, that, you know, when you go back and look at the shaky early year or two of past recoveries, in some cycles, you know, people don't even realize they're in a recovery until well after the, um, you know, data looking in hindsight suggests that, you know, they've been in it for several years. So, uh, but, you know, I don't want to get into all that right now. <clears throat> um I, uh, I I guess I don't really have a rant other than people come on just get it together and uh, on this uh, on on this uncertainty facing us in so many areas in uh, in 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 tax regulation you got to clear this stuff up so that business can move forward and stock market can move forward in a meaningful way. Um, but that's not my rant. I I also I had a the, there was a lot of volatility in the market this last week, and I just I I thought there was an interesting uh, you know sort of uh, circumstance I'd just share, which is that you know when companies release news, of course it hits the tape, and uh, if the stock moves up or down on that. You know, you can you, you look and you see, oh, they released this, or an analyst said this, or said that. But when you have these conferences going on, then companies say things at the conference. Um, it's not a news release. You don't know what was said. People run for the phones. They can really, you know, lay a lot of uh, excess supply or demand into certainly into a day's trading on a thinly traded stock. And you get a lot of volatility around these conferences because there's a lot of, you know, I won't call it material non-public information. And the reason I don't is it's oftentimes just the same material that you can go read in the 10Q. This is what's interesting about the stock market a little bit. The same material that you or I could go and read in the 10Q weeks ago, a management team shows up at a conference They've got a PowerPoint presentation. It's in really spectacular colors. The gentleman is exquisitely groomed, incredible. 
and they tell the story and people run for the phones and that affects the stock price even though is that new information no but it's presented in a way or it's presented to a person to where it is new information to them and they can affect the supply in the case of perhaps negative information um, or the demand in the case of positive information or perceived positive information you know it's odd but in any case I've been noticing a lot of volatility around that and it would help my portfolio if um, that continued I guess because we try to take advantage of um, odd price movements so but I just thought it was interesting to mention here on the show um, okay, well, let me get right into a couple of names. I'm very sleepy. I, uh, again, I apologize for the erratic nature of the show all this year, honestly. I, I moved, and but um, I, uh, I get a lot of email, and you can write me at val at thevalueguys.com. I try to answer all my email, and, um, you know, evidently, um, you know, people uh, enjoy hearing me go on about these stocks so uh, even if I'm sleepy I just try to bring a couple of good ideas and um, I have done a little less work this week than I was hoping to which is pretty much how it always turns out uh, but let me get into um, first the two energy ideas they just look extremely compelling uh, and first I'll talk about a consolidated energy ticker CNX and again, I'm not doing page numbers. Uh, I did a survey. People aren't liking the page numbers. Okay. I, I don't have to give the page number. I don't even know the page number this week. So what order am I going in? Random. So consolidated energy. Well, what do I like about it? First, it's 11 times earnings. So that sounds low to me. Um, I do a quick calculation on enterprise value to EBITDA. And it's five times. So what does that mean? Enterprise value is the price we'd have to pay to have the rights to all the earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, which is EBITDA. And uh, so we'd buy all the stock, all the debt, and then we would net out any cash on the balance sheet. And in the case of this company, they're cash rich. They've got a uh, billion dollars in debt, a billion eight in cash. So I've got 800 million net cash a 7.7 billion dollar equity market cap so I'm right around um, 7 billion in total enterprise value or the price we'd have to pay to own it and on a uh, EBITDA basis we know from a past disclosure from a value line analyst that operating margin times sales in the value line is a approximation of EBITDA so if I do that calculation um, Value line says they're going to earn a 26% operating margin on next year's $5 billion. So that's about, uh, let me round up a little bit, $1.5 billion. And so that's five times. The inverse, 1 over 5, is 20%. So I'm looking at a 20% cash-on-cash cash return, which is comparable to, <coughs> or I should say comparable to uh, the yield I might get in the bank or in a bond obviously this is vastly superior which is why I like it um, and then on top of that I'm gonna get the growth in value every year as a return which is approximated by the earnings growth particularly if the valuation multiple stays consistent so in the case of this one 
Value line says they're going to grow earnings 15%. So, wow, uh, on top of my 20% cash on cash return, I'm going to get a 15% uh, increase in the value over the next few years. So, that's a 35% uh, total return, which is higher than I've seen in some time uh, in Value Line and uh, makes me interested. So, what do these guys do? Consolidated energy, and I'm sorry I should have mentioned that right away, but I get taken by the valuation. It's so cheap that that's what, you know, first catches my eye. Uh, these guys do coal. They're the largest producer east of the Mississippi. They also have extensive natural gas operations. Uh, they produced 59 million tons of coal in 2009. That's 6% of the domestic market. And they have 4.5 billion tons of probable improved reserves, which is a term, uh, some type of legal term as to what that means. It's their best estimate as to what their reserves are, with a lot of latitude to be wrong, etc. But um, here's the thing I know about coal, because we've done quite a bit of work on this in the shop. I don't own this one, but we do own some coal. And the thesis is, is that... Uh, population around the world, um, the per capita use of electricity is just going up. And, you know, every country that's growing rapidly in terms of wealth or income per capita is acquiring those devices, cell phones, music players, etc., uh, GPS, etc., that uses electricity. And so, the cheapest way to make electricity is coal. And there's whole areas of the world where they're not as concerned with the environment as we are because they're still trying to, you know, move toward the level of uh, sort of lifestyle that we already enjoy. So I guess from the Chinese or Indian perspective, it's easy for us to say, hey, whoa, stop getting dust on everything because we're already in our big homes with heating and air conditioning and big screen televisions, etc. Uh, we've already cleared all our forests and etc. So in China, uh, there doesn't seem to be any evidence um, really that they're going to stop um, trying to grow the uh, lifestyle of their people. And so, and the same in India. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's possible that... Uh, there will be a you know new invention. I mean, what could it be? Fusion, uh, breakthroughs in solar, etc. Obviously, there is that risk. Um, but if that happens, you know you're going to be saving so much money in other areas, or the economy is going to be so booming in other areas that the fact that your consolidated energy stock didn't work out, you know, it's going to be a minor thing if they invent cold fusion or. Um, that sort of uh, that sort of thing. Meanwhile, even if we build out wind and solar as fast as we can, given the current state of the technology, you're still going to need coal. And the Saudi Arabia of coal is the United States. And so, um, you know, traditionally coal east of the Mississippi um, was pretty much for the domestic heating market. But um, I do know from you know talking to people associated with some of the share that we own, that there have been um, teams of Chinese here looking around um, in the eastern coal pro producers 
to actually ship coal from the east coast of the United States over to China. So those guys are out around the world looking for resources to handle their needs over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And guess what? They're looking here in the United States for coal. And so when you see a chance to buy this thing so uh, cheap relative to places it's traded before, I mean, right now they're going to do a billion seven in revenue. They're going to put up 300 million in net profit and the stock is at uh, 43 whereas in 2005 it was at 48 they had 800 million in revenue 160 million in profits and uh, you know that's uh, uh, that's a little surprising it tells you that right now there is a bit of pessimism in this area now the stock is off the low no question you could have bought it for 17 in the fall of 2008 and I'll give you that um, but again, that's, that's, uh, already happened. Uh, at this price, you do get a 7.7% yield. This is a limited partnership and I'm not an accountant or a lawyer. Uh, that's probably evident by listening to the show, but I think that they have some requirement to pay out, um, you know, it could be 95% of their, uh, cash flows. And I'm just looking at their equity account here to see if there's some, you know, hmm. I can't really tell. The equity account did go down in 08, up in 09, estimated up. Um, the return on capital here is running in the 30s, which is up a bit from the last couple years. So they've done a great job. The revenue line um, never... I won't say never, but has never gone down on this page 10 years of or 15 years of history. Um, the unit's outstanding because it is a partnership, very stable. That could be by statute, who knows, but it's nice to see. And, um, you know, it looks like a terrific valuation, um, but more importantly, you get this nearly 8% yield and... Um, um, you know, it's supported not only by the stability of the cash flows, but these guys own, as I said, um, a big chunk of coal. Let's see, 713 million tons. And I don't have, I'm not, you know, Googling this, but each ton of coal has a value um, that's tradable, not that it could all trade at one time. You have to discount it, et cetera, over the period. But just those reserves have a tremendous asset value that, um, I think you you got to take into consideration when buying the stock. So Alliance Resource, ticker ARLP. And then, uh, let's see. No, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. Pardon me, I just got those mixed up. I'm talking about consolidated energy. It's not a 7.7% yield. That's coming up. Uh, consolidated is the largest producer east of the Mississippi. So they have um, not 700 million tons of coal. Let's see, 4.5 billion tons of coal and proved gas reserves. So everything I just said about this is coming right off the value line, except the yield. There's no yield on this one, Consolidated Energy. Okay, next up, Alliance Resources, 
ticker ARLP, the one that I got a little ahead of myself. This is a coal play. It's a limited partnership in coal. Um, they sell to U.S. utilities, industrial users, and they have a 7.7% yield. So everything I was just saying about consolidated in terms of, uh, you know, rising market share for coal, rising use of electricity uh, in, uh, as a percent of total energy. Uh, consolidated energy is five times EBITDA, that's the 20% cash on cash, plus you get uh, gross, 35% total return conceivably on that. Alliance Resources, a little different um, because of the LP. You do get an 8% yield, and that is really cash to you in a dividend format versus the total return I'm talking about over consolidated would have to come through price appreciation over time. Um, and again, it's a stock. Maybe you don't get that for a while. At Alliance, you get the 8% in hand, and um, some people like to get that kind of yield. The uh, enterprise value to EBITDA on Alliance is, uh, let's see, I did this earlier. I mean, this is about five times EBITDA as well, so... 20% um, cash on cash if we bought the whole thing, plus we'd get about 9% growth here, so that's 29% total return. The consolidated energy is a little bigger, but then here you actually do get 7.7% uh, cash in hand. So these are very similar ideas, so much so that I'm getting them mixed up. But one's a limited partnership. By law, has to pay out a lot of cash to you in the mailbox at a 7.7% rate and you're just no one's paying that so that's worth doing if you like the cash return the consolidated energy on the other hand looks like it's just a cheap entry point for a scarce resource and uh, you know over history this often trades at a meaningful PE premium and now it's at a meaningful discount so both Alliance and consolidated you look at them both um, a way to play cheap energy right now and then finally and I'm sorry, it's a short show this week, but I just wanted to get it up because those both are terrific ideas. And this one um, is a renegade from June 18th, but I'm just going to do it anyway because it's cheap and I'm, you know, I need to, I need to get to bed. Uh, Allstate Corp, ticker ALL. Again, no page number and the wrong day of the week. But it's just another idea. I'm just throwing it up. What I like about Allstate, and I have talked about uh, insurance companies before. In fact, if you pull our code off the homepage, www.thevalueguys.com, there's an RSS button there. If you pull that into Internet Explorer or save it and pull it into Microsoft Excel, you can see all of our tickers over time. And I have talked about um, Principal Financial, I believe Chubb and some others over time. You know, there have been entry points on these insurers that were pretty cheap, particularly during that March 09 period. So, you know, like all those guys, these guys have lifted quite a bit off the low, but still it's eight times earnings. Um, there is a little yield here, 3%. On an enterprise value to EBITDA basis, uh, you know, you, I can't even do it on these insurers, just like on the banks, because the excess cash is and the debt funds 
the cash, or the, you know, it's just, it's all, some of it's the bank's money, some is client money, you don't know. So I don't even bother, I'm just looking at the P.E. Now an 8 P.E., one way to think about that, again, as a yield is 1 over 8, which is 12.5%, and that's a net, if we bought the company, we would earn a 12.5% after-tax return, uh, because I believe at that point the company's already paid the tax, and so that's pretty good, and it's a pretty good sign that that's a decent deal. The other thing I like on these insurance companies is over the last few years, um, obviously all these book values have gotten extremely scrubbed up. And uh, like all financial companies, um, these guys had a peak book value in 07 of $22 billion, and it was marked down in 08 to it came up in 09 to 17 billion. So they did a good job writing this stuff off in 0, uh, let's see, in 08 because they did not have to restate down, it appears. And now they're slowly growing the book again to where, uh, according to Value Line, at the end of 2011, the total equity is going to begin to approach the peak total equity from 07. And yet, back then the stock was at 66 on the high in 0. Six and right now the stock's at 29. The book value here is $33 a share right now, um, and 37 estimated for next year. That is trying to be a liquid value in the sense that if you sold all the assets, the securities, and um, paid down all the debt at face value, that you'd be left with $37 a share at the end of 2011, and yet you're only paying $29 for that right now. When you look back over the history of this company, or many uh, insurance companies, but uh, this one, you know, as well, the company particularly, or historically sold at a meaningful premium to book. So right now it's at a, you know, a little bit of a discount to next year's book, 20%. It historically, you know, got as high as... Uh, See, 1.6, 1.7, 1.8 times. On a PE basis, it um, you know it's at a 50% discount to the market PE right now, and in some years it gets to an 80% or even a full um, parity with the market PE. So um, I like it. If you are prone to wanting a little financial ballast in your portfolio, Allstate Corp, ticker ALL, and... Uh, that's all for this week. So, let's see here. That gets me all caught up with the show. I don't know. I don't know if that's good. Maybe people would prefer fewer shows for me. Sometimes I think that. But, let's see. Best idea this week? I think it's got to be one of these uh, energy guys. And I'm going to go with Consolidated Energy, ticker... CNX. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Value Line Observer with values of the value guys looking at the June 11th, 2010 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. Have a good day, everybody. Bye bye.